It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important story. The Washington Times said the patriotic Americans donated U.S. flags after protesters raised the Mexican flag over the ICE facility. The latest in politics and world affairs. It is not fair that that people come in illegally and they have three square meals a day, TVs and all. There's something that is wrong with this picture. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. When we get into conversations with people, you can get real bombastic with each other because you haven't read it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. So if you understand the issue, then you can have calm, reasonable conversations. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson, and uh, we've got important things to talk about today. I'm thrilled to have in studio as my guest, kind of a surprise last-minute thing, and it's great to have you here, Kelly Sloan. You are the executive director of Freedom to Drive. I am. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you here. And the, the uh, freedom of mobility, people being able to to choose uh, in a free market setting uh, how they move around is uh, is key. It's inherent to the idea of the American idea. And uh, so I thank you for the work that you're doing with Freedom to Drive. Well, no, absolutely. And you're, uh, you know, I think you nailed it on the head. You know, the, uh, that freedom, freedom of mobility is, you know, kind of the key to our, uh, our economic success in this country. It's, it's uh, part and parcel with uh, capitalism and free markets and, uh, you know, all the other freedoms that we enjoy. Uh, you know, just the, the freedom to be able to move ourselves from one place to another in the manner we choose, people take that for granted. We I mean, do take it for granted. And there is a real assault on that. Uh, I saw that when I was uh, serving on city council. I was seeing that there's planners that really want to plan our lives and move us into the mobility that they think we should should move into. And so, Kelly, uh, what we talk about on this show all the time is freedom versus force, right. force versus freedom. And uh, the, the freedom to be able to move around is uh, is so important. So we'll talk about that in the third and fourth segment because something really interesting happened yesterday. Yes, it did. And so we'll talk about that in the third and fourth segment. But ultimately, you know, there's this a narrative of socialism is being romanticized, and socialism ultimately has to come down to force. And Kelly, if something's a really good idea, you shouldn't have to force or incentivize uh, those kinds of things. And, and incentivize is also a very subjective form of force, Steve. So first of all, thank you to producer Steve. He's running the boards there. Thank you to the team, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie. I appreciate you all. And uh, so we're going to talk about freedom versus force, Steve. And yeah, take apart that word incentivize because right behind it are dollar signs and they're not flowing in the direction you want them to flow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You think they are, but they're not. (laughs) Yes. There's all kinds of different ways to Take money from your your pocket via force and uh, give it over to somebody else. And we'll talk about some of those things. Thank you to each of you listeners out there. You are treasured. You're valued. You have a purpose. Go out there and do that today. And uh, so let's jump in here. We're going to be talking about cars, automobiles. So I thought that we could have some car jokes, Steve, and also some quotes from some of the the great car people. So, Walter. Be careful, be careful here. The word joke implies laughter, so... I better laugh. Okay, okay. Inspiration, though. Walter Percy Chrysler. He was born in 1875. He died in 1940. He was an American automotive industry executive, and he was the founder of Chrysler Corporation, which is now a part of Fiat Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. 
Chrysler was born in Womigo, Kansas, good Kansas boy. He grew up in Ellis, Kansas, where today his boyhood home is a museum. This is fascinating. He began his career as a machinist and railroad mechanic in Ellis, Kansas. He took correspondence courses from international correspondence schools in Scranton, Pennsylvania, earning a mechanical degree from the correspondence program. You know, Kelly, anything is possible in America. Absolutely. So here's his quote. He says, the real secret of success is enthusiasm. Yes, more than enthusiasm, I would say excitement. I like to see men get excited. When they get excited, they make a success of their lives. That is Walter Chrysler. Okay, Steve, fasten your seatbelt. I've got some funnies here for you, okay? Far away. With the rise of self-driving vehicles, this is number one. With the rise of self-driving vehicles, of course, that's a whole different subject for me. Uh, But anyway, with the rise of self-driving vehicles, it's only a matter of time before we get a country song where a guy's truck leaves him too. Now, that's good. That's really good. Okay. I didn't realize how bad a driver I was until my car navigation system said, in 400 feet, do a slight right, stop, and let me out. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve, before marriage, men would wander parking lots aimlessly because they had no one to point out the open parking spots. There's some truth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first thing, we were going to talk about this yesterday, and we did not get to that. And this was in, okay, it's from Fox Business. It says, store owners cannot be jailed for refusing to make wedding invitations for same-sex couples. The city of Phoenix cannot compel an art studio owned by two Christians to design wedding invitations for same-sex couples, the Arizona Supreme Court ruled Monday in a 4-3 decision. Joanna Duca and Brianna Kosky, who run Brush and Nib Studio, potentially face $2,500 in fines and six months in jail. Okay, we're looking at force here, Steve. For violating Phoenix's uh, 2013 ordinance that prohibited discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. Duca and Kosky's beliefs about same-sex marriage may seem old-fashioned or even offensive to some, wrote Justice Andrew Gould in the opinion of the court. But the guarantees of free speech and freedom of religion are not only for those who are deemed sufficiently enlightened, advanced, or progressive. Don't you love that? That's the progressive uh, opinion, I guess, is that what this is called, the the justice's writing? Uh, I think he's probably on the side that said that they don't have to. Yeah. I think he's, he's nailing what the progressive... Um, Agenda is, he says, to conclude, we hold that the ordinance, as applied to plaintiffs' custom wedding invitations and the creation of those invitations, unconstitutionally compels speech in violation of Arizona Constitution's free speech clause. Um, We're talking about freedom versus force. And this is what is so dangerous. We saw this happen with uh, Jack Phillips here in Colorado where he uh, refused to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple because it was antithetical to his beliefs. And there's great danger, no matter whether or not, you know, you, you uh, were excited about the, the initial uh, ruling here for, uh, from Phoenix or from the Colorado Civil Rights Commission regarding Jack Phillips. When we start to have government come in and say, if you don't do this, if you don't say this, or if you do this and do say this, either way, we are going to use force to close down your business. 
that is very dangerous. That's a very dangerous place to be. And uh, Kelly, I really think that the free market can take care of these particular issues. If, in fact, a, a, a couple that um, is, is celebrating a, a same-sex marriage uh, and, and they go to one particular vendor and the vendor says, you know, that, that doesn't work for me, they can go to another vendor. And so it creates more business. If there's not a vendor that will do that, somebody will start that business. And so I don't think that we have to have the force of government uh, doing this. I think that we need to work towards free markets instead of government coming in and forcing, because we all have different ideas. We've seen a redefinition of words. And then when you don't affirm that redefinition of that word, for government to come in and say, we're going to forcibly take your business, that is a big problem, Steve. Well, I think I'll continue reading here. The uh, the attorney who represented the two ladies and their business said, Today, freedom won. Everyone should enjoy the freedom to peacefully live out their beliefs without fear that the government will silence them or force them to promote messages that violate their convictions. That freedom should be protected regardless of whether people share the government's point of view. Powerful. Kelly? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh I'm going to mention up front, I'm, I'll now take off my Freedom to Drive hat okay. uh, and put on my, uh, Kelly, Sloan hat. my Kelly Sloan hat as a uh, commentator and columnist for Colorado Politics and the Washington, Washington Examiner. Nice. How is that for a plug? I like it. Um, so, you know, we're, we're talking a lot of these arguments, you know, with Jack Phillips, looks like this one. We've seen a couple others around the country are kind of focusing on, you know, the artistic merit of the people, I would say, being persecuted here, mm-hmm. the uh, you know, Mr. Phillips with his with his cake. He's making he's making the argument that that cake is his art. Really, I think what we're talking about is the future of public accommodation laws, which is what you know the other side, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the LGBTQ community is using to make these arguments and trying to, as you say, you, you know, using the government force to shut these businesses down when they don't play ball, so to speak. Now, of course, the public accommodation laws were put into effect. I think probably correctly uh, back in the 60s when there was a larger problem, more, uh, I guess, systemic problem with discrimination against particularly black people at the time. Uh, I think the question now is how we outgrown those laws as a society. You know, was there, was there, the question is, was there a role for the government back then in you know, the early 60s and that to intervene to correct a wrong that the market, for whatever reason, didn't seem to be correcting because of you know, in, ingrained, and we can, you can go back and argue why those. You know, if, if it was actually government. Uh, well, you uh, had the Jim Crow laws, though, it, which exactly, were, were, which were totally, in my opinion, unconstitutional. Absolutely. And so you have the Jim Crow laws, which was again government forcibly saying that uh, black people could not sit at a, a particular counter right. at at uh, Woolworths, and so that was against the Constitution, and yeah. it. It might have taken a little bit longer, but I think where we were headed, I, th- I think that the free market generally could have fought back on that. I agree. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of emblematic of, you know, what we see with a lot of uh, government laws are, you know, being brought in, you're know, using government to come in to correct something that government did before. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that, that, that's what it was. Now, so you can have the argument of whether it was correct or not correct to bring in public accommodation laws, which uh, I'm sure most of your listeners know are the, are the laws that, you know, say that you mu- a public uh, business must accommodate uh, people of all, all races, all creeds, all, all religions, and, uh, of course, more, uh, more recently, uh, uh, 
all sexual identities and whatnot. Uh, so the question now, I mean, that's that ship has sailed. You know, those those laws came into effect in the 1960s. I think what we need to ask ourselves as a society now is have we outgrown those? Have we progressed enough as a society? Has the market uh, started, to take, started to take care of that? And do we still need those laws? Do we still need that government force to... Uh, you know, try and uh, try and enforce morality, basically. Uh, and don't you find this so interesting, Kelly? You know what? Let's go to break because uh, forcing morality. It used to be, you know, here we have government that is really trying to force Christians. In the case of uh, Jack Phillips, and in the case of of these women in Phoenix, where you have gov- government that is trying to force their morality, their their vision, their their interpretation of words on Christians and it used to be that it was the Christians had the the right. uh, the kind of the bad rap that they were trying to force their views on other people which there was that going on as well. Mm-hmm. I would submit to you as a Christian that I think that that was uh maybe a use of the uh, the Bible in a way to enforce uh actions on other people and quite frankly America is a freedom place, mm-hmm. and in uh, freedom of religion, that was important. That's in our con- uh, our constitution, and so they didn't think that we should be forcing that on other people. But here you have the religion now of progressivism, yes, where they want to use government to force their quote unquote their belief system, right, their religion on all of us. And so let's go to break. When we come back, fascinating conversation. And so right now, Kelly Sloan has on his Kelly Sloan hat as a as a contributor to the Washington Examiner and Colorado Politics, when we get to the third and fourth segment, you'll put your Freedom to Drive hat on. So we'll be right back. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Oh, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson. I love it when Charlie puts these westerns in. I just love those, those songs. Hey, Kelly Sloan, it's great to have you in here. Uh, we are having a conversation about issues uh, in this first and second segment. <clears throat> and then third and fourth segment, 
Freedom to Drive. Something yes. amazing happened yesterday, so we'll talk about that in segments three and four. But we were unpacking this um, this uh, thing that happened just within the last few days down in the um, Arizona regarding the Supreme Court in Arizona said that store owners cannot be jailed. Can you believe this? They, they're in the business of making invitations, right. uh, and uh, they could be jailed for not doing something. I mean, that is really scary, Kelly. Well, it is. And, you know, like we were talking before the break, it it's all comes down to uh, public accommodation laws, whether you think those are justified or not. Uh, and, you know, as I was saying before the break, you know, the, I think the key question now is do we still – we can – we can go back and forth whether we ever did need them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I tend to I tend to fall on the side that you know it, when there's an extreme situation like we had in the '60s with the existence of the Jim Crow laws, mm-hmm. which should never have been in, been in place. Sometimes you you, know, you do need uh, the government to interfere. The government had to interfere in the Civil War, uh, for instance. You know, okay, so uh, but you know we're we're 40, 50 years past that now. Are we at the point where the public accommodation laws are doing more harm than good? Are they starting to hurt uh, you know, the, the people that they were meant to help? Are they, I guess, I kind of tilting the scales too, too far in the other direction? Yeah, I think they're actually being used then in a way that it never really was intended right. to make that happen. And, you know, Kelly, maybe what we need to start to do is to put a sunset. Start to, whenever we pass these laws, to maybe we should have a sunset where we come back and revisit it. You know, it's one good thing about the uh, state of Colorado is uh, most, we have, in my opinion, far too many uh, state government programs and uh, offices and all, but they all do have a sunset on them. Um, some are five years, some are, some are longer, but, uh, you know, it's one good thing we do in Colorado is we do sunset everything now. A lot of them, be, it's a fairly automatic mm, process, but it does go through through the legislature, which right now, uh, depending on your uh, political alignment, maybe a maybe a problem, but we, we we do have the sunsets. No, I think you're right. I think there, you know, it, it's a good idea periodically to revisit some of the things that uh, we as a society have determined at one point were a good idea, and to see, you know, where are we at now? Should we do we still need this? Is it still uh, doing its in, initially intended job? And I think with you know with the public accommodation laws, uh, I think it may be time to have have a look at those because essentially what you're saying is that you do not have the right to do business with whomever you please. Um, so you know it, it, it may be. T- I think it's time for us to have that discussion as a society. And I think this uh, this court case I think is a a good step and you know good first step in the right direction towards that. Well, I really do too. So this let's go over to another one of our headlines. This is from the uh, Colorado Sun. And the title is, After Facing U.S. Supreme Court Criticism, Colorado Civil Rights Division Blasted by Auditor as Slow and Not Transparent. Now, as you may remember, it was Colorado Civil Rights Commission that basically said to Jack Phillips, if you don't do what we say, if you do not affirm our definition of marriage, then we are going to use the force of government to shut down your portion of your business that bakes wedding cakes. Right. And once again, this should this should strike terror in in the hearts of everyone, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, because you may be celebrating this particular use by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. But what about when they come after you regarding making you affirm something that you don't believe? And then whenever you hear the word commission, council, that means unelected bureaucrat. 
And so with a commission, these are not people that we can um, elect or unelect. But but they used their power. They tried to use their power against Jack Phillips. But then uh, it looks they're very, lo- looks like they're slow to investigate complaints. They voted on cases in secret and without any documentation about their deliberations, according to a scathing report that was released Wednesday by the state auditor. The negative spotlight comes on the heels of criticism leveled against the entities last year by the U.S. Supreme Court in the high-profile case of Lakewood Baker, Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop, who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. The agencies are tasked with investigating complaints filed by people who believe they were discriminated against in employment, housing, and public accommodations because of their race, religion, sex, sexual orientation, or nationality. The commission is made up of a panel appointed by the governor and approved by the state senate operating under the auspices of the division. The state auditor's office found that the division is slow to investigate complaints and the commission operates in a manner that is not transparent. The audit was presented to the Colorado Legislature's Bipartisan Legislative Audit Committee on Wednesday morning, leaving both Democrats and Republicans saying there is clear room for improvement. Kelly, got a comment on that? Well, yeah, I think, uh, again, you're absolutely correct. When we have all these commissions that have the force of law, uh, but they're uh, unelected, that's what we have the sunshine laws for. That's why any... Uh, there, was just a, there was a new story just on Nine News the, the other day about how you have a lot of these uh, smaller boards, commissions, government bodies, fire districts, and that all those meetings are supposed to be open to the public. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these little rural ones don't necessarily know the rules. You know, they don't know what the Colorado Sun- Sunshine Rule is. So they, uh, and that so means the open somebody, meetings. They- the open meetings uh, and... How, how and when to go into executive session. I mean, a lot of, a lot of them just say, well, we're going to go into executive session now to discuss mm-hmm. something that may need to be discussed in executive session, personnel matters, that kind of thing. Um, uh, what the story was saying is that there is a, by law, that needs to go to a vote, and uh, it has to be the stated purpose in that. A lot of them don't do that. You would think that the Civil, uh, the civil Rights Division would know what the law is. One would sure think so. Yeah. Um, no, I, I and I think you know the uh, you know the, the auditor's report. I think is uh, uh, this is this is pretty important. I think it's uh, it's pretty vital that people know that you know this commission that had you know the power to uh, not just put this gentleman out of business, uh, whether you think he should be or not, but uh, they had the power to put him out of. They had the power to destroy his life. You know, destroy mm-hmm. his entire they, livelihood. They tried to. Yeah, his entire livelihood, his reputation, and all that, uh, without any accountability. That's that in itself is a little frightening. Again, whether you think he was right or wrong, uh, you know, whether you believe public accommodation law. And we should say uh, at this point, again, I'm not an attorney, but it appears to me that uh, Mr. Phillips wasn't violating the uh, public accommodation law anyway. Um, he was and did. He, he, would, he would sell his products to gay couples. He did. He offered. He said, you know, anything I have on the shelf here, you know, I'm just to. not going to create something special for you. Uh, and I th- well, and at that time when they came in, they had actually gotten married in a different state right. that had recognized same-sex same sex marriage. Colorado did not at that time. Right. So that's even scarier. Well, yeah, there, there's that. But I guess my, my point is he was not violating whether you believe in the public. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying whether they um, – I'm not putting an opinion on whether public accommodation laws should or shouldn't be on the, on the book still. I th- I'm, I'm just saying I think it's time for that discussion. In this particular case, he didn't do that. He – 
he allowed, you know, he welcomed anybody into into his store. Mm-hmm. He would sell uh, his product to anybody. He just wouldn't create something special using his artistic talents. Uh, and they still went after him. That's the that's the frightening part to me when you have an, uh, an unelected bureaucracy and you start giving. You know, we, the discussion used to be how much power you know the uh, Congress and the state legislatures were. Well, it used to be how much power the states were giving to the federal government, mm-hmm. which is a discussion I think we still have to have. And then, you know, we had discussion uh, in society about how much power the legislative branch was giving to the executive, mm-hmm. and how much both of them were giving to the judiciary. I mean, for for a long time, you had you've had senators say, uh, you know, when asked on on an issue, well, we'll see what the Supreme Court says. It really, isn't that that's that's your job to make law? You know, the Supreme Court there to interpret it. Um, well, now we've added uh, an element to this that well, certainly the founders never uh, never anticipated, and I don't think a lot of people anticipated for probably the first half of the, the history of, of this nation, is how much power all three branches of the government are giving to you know that administrative state within the executive, uh, not just the executive itself, but you know all all these little bodies, all these little agencies and commissions, and uh, all, all this. You know how much. Uh, rulemaking power they have, which has the effect of law, uh, how much enforcement power they have. I mean, there's a, an incredible amount of power that rests in all these little, little commissions that uh, I think know, we, 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 we spend all our time focusing on, you know, what's happening at the state capital and what's happening in, you know, U.S. capital and Congress and that. Most of what really concerns us is happening in the, all these little executive agencies. You have nailed it. And when I was on city <clears throat> council, I realized, I mean, that we had all these different meetings that we went to with boards and commissions. And maybe it, it probably was well-intentioned. In some ways they say, you know, we want public input. But then what I've seen is that uh, well-meaning people get on these boards and commissions, and then they actually can be in some ways guided by other bureaucrats mm-hmm. to – to kind of predetermined decisions that that take away people's freedom, and well, again, they, they, on, they kind of take on life of their own. You know, once you get, when, when you get, especially when, and then when you get so many of them, you know. And again, I'm, I'm you know, not, not going to disparage uh, for the most part the people that are on these boards and commissions and agencies. And that I think they all, all of them are well intentioned. Uh, well intentioned, you know, want to do a good job. Uh, I think sometimes they want to do too good of a job, and they start, you know, th- you know, getting this. Uh, I don't know how to. Word, perhaps a hero mentality that you know, know. We're, we're here to protect you know whether it's the environment you know I, the environment or yep. consumers or labor or whomever and you get that zealous and let, you know let's face it you know the these positions attract zealous people you mm-hmm. know people that are you know action oriented mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing but you know to uh, when you know, it put gets in, down the to terms that, you know, force that and control, exactly. you know, we, we have, have a problem. Right. Yeah. So, hey, let's go to break here in just a minute. We have Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, on the line. And there's been such a conversation about interest rates. Jason McBride, good morning. Hey, good morning, Kim. What happened to interest rates yesterday? Well, uh, you know, by the time we got to the actual uh, uh time of the decision, sorry, Kim, you know, the, the odds of a rate cut had gone to 50-50. You know, earlier in the month, it was like a 90% chance, and it kept fading. So uh, I won't build the suspense anymore. The Fed cut rates by a quarter of a percent. 
Okay, and you and I both talked about it yesterday that we weren't sure that we really thought that that was needed, but I guess they didn't listen to the show yesterday. Well, I guess not, and uh, you know, it's always funny to me. In fact, it's hard for me to remember a time really when the Fed was cutting interest rates, when the market was, you know, almost at a new all-time high. But, Kim, sometimes you got to maybe be out of your own thought. Of course, I'm looking at the stock market. Uh, sometimes I forget there's an economy, too, and <laughs> it's possible, you know, that they're seeing some indicators uh, in the economy. Maybe they're trying to be a little bit proactive. Um I mean, all in all, though, I mean, I I couldn't see a big need for a quarter-point rate cut. Uh, the economy seems pretty much fine to me, but they did what they did. Okay. And how did the market react? Uh, it went uh, up and down. So initially, <laughs> uh, as soon as the news came out, uh, you know, it was, it was negative. I, the Dow dropped uh, about 200 points. Uh, it kind of messed around for about 15 minutes, Kim, and then started coming back. And by the end of the day, it was actually positive by about 36 points. Uh, some of the other indexes didn't quite get to positive, but the general reaction was the same. S&P, NASDAQ, both down. Uh, then they, they climbed back up. Uh, the Fed is... Uh, seems undecided for the rest of the year at least right now there it seems like again about a 50 50 chance that we get another rate cut between now and the end of the year and they also talked about maybe uh, doing some quantitative easing again by Ooh. buying bonds back onto the fed's uh, balance sheet Ooh, i don't think i like that one jason well, I don't lie. I mean, bonds are way up high right now. Why? Let's wait. Buy them when they're cheap. Yeah, I'm not. You know, let's buy them when they're cheap, and then maybe the Fed can make some money. Well, let's uh, let's keep an eye on that. I know that you watch all this, and that that uh, you know, if people want more information about any of these things, or also, you guys do a weekly podcast, and all that is at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. So there's all kinds of great information there. Uh, Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. Yes, that's true. And like you said, Kim, uh, give us a call for a discovery session. That's, uh, you know, get a second set of eyes, get a second opinion on what you've got going on. If it's great, we'll tell you. Uh, if there's some things that can be fixed, we will tell you that too. It's no obligation, it's free, and it's certainly not high pressure. Definitely. And the phone number, uh, Natalie will be at the uh, switchboard at. Uh, 730-303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason McBride, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show, Kim. Thanks so much. When we come back, we have Kelly Sloan uh, in studio with us, and, and you can put back on your your Freedom to Drive hat during break, I have, okay? I have many. Yeah, okay. And then we have on the line Matthew Groves as well. And uh, uh, Matthew is um, well, exactly... Title, Matt, what, what should I say? You are a man of many hats as well. How should I introduce you? Uh, I'm the Vice President of Legal and Regulatory Affairs. Okay. And when we come back, Matt and Kelly have some very interesting news uh, about something that President Trump did yesterday. I'm actually pretty excited about it, so we'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. 
Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are having a conversation about movement, about mobility. And uh, Matthew Groves is on the line. Matthew, welcome. You are with the the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association, and uh, you realize how important it is that people have the freedom to move about the way they want to, without force. Well, I think Matt, he'll be here in a minute, I think, so... (laughs) Okay, and uh, Kelly, we'll go over to you. You are with uh, Freedom to Drive. Yes. And again, uh, and when we say the freedom to choose about how they move, that means without government force coming in and incentivizing one mode of transportation over another, letting them compete in the free market. And we've seen a real assault on everyday individuals' freedom to do that. I don't think that a lot of people realize it yet, but we're going to start to see these effects very soon. Yeah, we, we are. So uh, first of all, the Freedom, Freedom to Drive Coalition is a coalition of, of businesses, uh, organizations, trade groups, individuals, consumers around the, around the state uh, that are doing just exactly that, uh, precisely that, advocating for our freedom to uh, trans- transport ourselves around the state as we, as we see fit. Uh, our primary... Uh, policy objective over the last few months was the zero emission vehicle uh, standard, which we'll, we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, but, you know, it goes, goes beyond that. As you mentioned before, there is something of a war on indiv- uh, individual mobility that's uh, part, of, part of an agenda that, you know, wants to push people out of individual ownership of cars and into public transport, onto bikes, onto pretty much anything but a their own vehicle. individual vehicle that they like. Right. And, you know, you see that with lane restrictions. I mean, anybody that's uh, driven downtown uh, downtown Denver going up, uh, up or down Broadway or Lincoln, and they've taken, you know, all those lanes away for, for bikes and for buses. Um, and then they wonder why there's congestion. Well, exactly. Uh, no. And then ever... they say, we have congestion, so we want to do another something with government to uh, try to relieve congestion, but they actually cause the congestion to begin with. Right. It's a, it's a fairly unrealistic view of 
I guess, human nature uh, as much as anything else, you know, thinking that, you know, they can use government policy to force people out of their, out of their vehicles. Well, people have vehicles for a reason, you know, they, the, the convenience, the, the comfort, I mean, it's, it's going to be the safety, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to start getting pretty cold here in a, mm-hmm. in a couple months. And, you know, there's, there's some, something to be said about a car heater, uh, in, in the, in the mid- middle of, uh, middle of January. Um, but so what, so that's mostly what we're, you know, put together to, to try and address are some of these issues associated with, uh, governmental laws and policies that are trying to manipulate the market in a way that's uh, we think counterintuitive and ultimately counterproductive and you know is going to hurt people's uh, people's ability to uh, thrive to and prosper themselves. i think yeah so and we have matthew groves back matthew is with the colorado automobile dealers association and he has really been watching what is going on and matthew first of all i want to say that i think people are voting we i know that cdot is doing a quote unquote listening tour throughout the state to find out about how mm. people like to travel around. I mean, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that people are voting with their individual personal cars and they still are willing to sit in traffic because they like that. So I'm not sure we have to have a listening tour to figure that out. But Matthew, welcome. Thank you for having me, Kim. I, you know, one of our dealers has a saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. Uh, I think the, the, the goal of environmental cleanup and clean air is one that we can all get behind. But when you start asking people about who's ready to make that sacrifice and get out of the car, the fervor amongst even the most environmentally minded people dies down quite a bit. Well, and you know what, to that point, I want to make a clarification. I think, I think I wrote an op-ed. I meant to anyway in my brain uh, about ZEVs and LEVs. So ZEV stands for zero emission vehicle and LEV stands for low emission vehicle. And so in a way, that's almost a misnomer. It's a way of, of making people think that, that, that that's exactly what it is, and it's not true. You have to look at the complete production um, effects of, of all vehicles. So as a ZEV or a LEV, um, actually, if you look at uh, what goes into the batteries and the rare earth minerals that have to be mined in third world countries, for example, in the mm-hmm. Congo, we have children that are, are doing a lot of that mining. When you look at the complete picture... Your internal combustion engines actually are "quote unquote" cleaner than these ZEVs and LEVs, but they're using that this narrative so that they can use force to try to get people out of their personal vehicles. You know, there have been a couple of published studies putting two vehicles head to head, say the hybrid Camry versus the Tesla Model Three, uh, things of that nature, where it's, it's shown lifespan emissions, uh, the hybrid actually is a little bit cleaner. Uh, I think the narrative that the state passed when we were doing the regulations is that they started uh, the emissions of the zero emission vehicle at its completion. So all that cobalt stripping, all that lithium mining, uh, you know, the, the carbon that is emitted in the transmission of electricity from a charging station to a lithium-ion battery, none of that was counted towards the vehicle. It was all pushed off to other sources or pushed off to other places. Uh, and that, that, you know, put the thumb on the scale a little bit when it came to the mm-hmm. emissions uh, way. Right. You know, one other thing, Matthew, is we never have, at least I've never really seen a serious 
um, commentary regarding what's going to happen to these batteries, you know, several years down the road when, uh, you know, somebody has to get a new battery. I understand they're really, really expensive, but where are we going to put all those old batteries? I have not heard uh, about that, and that seems like that's going to be a an environmental problem. You know, uh, I don't want to get too far afield. We used to slow boat them back to China. Um, China recently has stopped taking them. So there is one facility in the United States that attempts to recycle these things. Now, generally, when you're talking about uh, a standard car battery, you can get a, a couple hundred bucks back to recycle them, uh, just sort of scrap value. Uh, but when you're asking this facility to take a lithium-ion battery, you have to affirmatively pay a couple hundred dollars uh, to have them take it off your hands. And then you have to ship it. It's shipped as uh, sort of a dangerous material, so it requires quite a bit of effort. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we have one particular battery recycler in this state uh, where the batteries are just piling up on a shelf and you can't take it anymore. So that's going to be a problem. Kelly, do you have a comment on that? Um, Not just on the batteries. Uh Matthew mentioned the uh, emissions related to the electrical production, you know, going from, uh, you know, the generating facility to the charging, charging, uh, charging station. We got to remember that in Colorado, in the United States, uh, most of our electricity comes from fossil fuels, natural gas and coal. In Colorado, it's mostly coal, and it will be that way for at least the next few years. Natural gas is... Uh, of course, Governor up. Polis wants to get us to totally, quote-unquote, renewables. Yeah, without nuclear, it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the science just isn't there. The the issues, of course, are – the biggest issue is storage. You can't store – it's almost cliche now to say the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow, but it's true. Yeah, so you need to be able to store that energy, and you know we don't know how to store energy very well. That's why these batteries in these vehicles are so enormous. I mean, they're you're looking at 1,000 pounds or more for some of these batteries, um, and they don't – last forever you know we we just we don't know we're not very good at storing energy and until we address the issue uh, uh, somehow of storing solar and wind solar and wind aren't going to make more than about 20 25 percent which is what we've seen for for several years so most of our electricity is coming from uh, coal and natural gas mostly coal right now so a lot of these evs uh, you know this makes their their head spin when you tell our owners this but they're coal-powered cars Mm mm-hmm and we need to have these honest narratives about this, Matthew. Now, we're, gonna, we're talking about ZEVs, LEVs, and there's been a couple of executive orders. One, uh, as Governor Hickenlooper was going out the door, and then uh, Governor Polis when he came in. And these, these are things that I don't think hardworking, everyday people realize happened out there, but we're going to start to see the effects of that. And that is, is they are, are, uh, these executive orders are using government force saying to dealers that if you do not sell a certain um, percentage of your portfolio as electric vehicles, then you would have to start to pay a fine or a fee. Now, we had the carrot as far as trying to incentivize folks to buy electric vehicles, and many people did. And and I'm not saying – I'm not against electric vehicles. What I really get frustrated with is force. A government force. And so initially there was this incentive of uh, $7,500, I think, from the feds and 5000 from Colorado uh, uh, income tax credits. Well, when mm-hmm. you give somebody a credit over here, that means somebody else is going to have to probably pay more. But that didn't totally work. They weren't getting the numbers. So then we have these exec- executive orders that are trying to tie us to the California emission uh, guidelines and in essence, uh, forcing people 
to um, buy these vehicles. If they don't, then there is a penalty. And to offset that penalty, there's only one company where these uh, where you can buy credits for that, and that happens to be Tesla. So once again, you have government picking and choosing winners and losers. So, Matthew, I kind of set that up. Is there anything else you want to say about that? We're going to go to break, and then we'll hear what uh, you were in, in the room in Washington, D.C. when you heard something that I think is very exciting. But anything else on that before we go to break? I was. Well, you know, I think uh, the whole industry is at the service of its customers. If you want to buy an electric vehicle today without a ZEV rule in place, you can do that. Now, you mentioned the $12,500 back that's universally available through the government. If you have certain utility providers, if you're buying from certain utility, or I'm sorry, from certain auto manufacturers, there's actually more money on that car. So you can end up at the end of the day with $20,000 off a $35,000 vehicle. Um, that's available to you today, regardless of whether or not we have a mandate. Uh, what the what the state is doing is saying that manufacturers must deliver to uh, automobile dealers a certain amount of zero emission vehicles. So when you come walk the lot, the cars that you want to see are going to be increasingly disappearing, replaced with these electric vehicles that don't sell particularly well in Colorado right now, just because when the manufacturer delivers that car to the dealer, that's when they earn their ZEB credit. Well, and don't you, just a question, and we'll go to break and then come back, but it seems like if the cars that people do not want to buy here in Colorado are on the lot, then they're going to, going to go to a neighboring state and buy the car that they want there. Seems like that. Believe it or not, the government has actually blocked that. Because of the LEV rule, if it's not a low-emission vehicle, you won't be able to register it in Colorado, even if you go, you go to Wyoming or New Mexico to buy it. No way. You they, remember they, the they've, they've really hemmed the consumer in here. Yeah, okay. Lev and Zev work together uh, to to really put you know put the screws to to the consumer to put it uh, vulgarly. Okay, I just have to clarify this, and then we're going to go to break. Did you just say that that if you went and bought the vehicle that you wanted in Wyoming or Kansas, that you could not then register it in Colorado? Did you just say that, Matthew? When the Lev rule starts, and I believe that's model year twenty twenty two or calendar year twenty twenty one. If you open the door and there's not a low-emission vehicle sticker on the inside of the door, you won't be able to register that vehicle. Oh, boy. Boy, Matthew, you're getting my blood pressure going. Okay, but there you have some good news. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. This is Kim Munson. Kelly Sloan is in studio. He's the executive director of Freedom to Drive. Matthew Groves is on the line. He's with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GER, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. This week at the 88 Drive-In, keep your windows rolled up and your vehicles locked because things are about to get creepy. Friday the 13th through Thursday the 19th, see three scary movies for $9. It, It Chapter 2, and Scary Stories. 
Monday through Thursday, get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot, along with two 16-ounce sodas, all for only $12. Sip on some hot apple cider, along with a sweet, crunchy churro. We're open seven days a week, so get directions now on the 88 Drive-In Facebook page or 88drivein.net. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. In studio with me is Kelly Sloan. He is uh, the executive director of Freedom to Drive, which I like the freedom to drive. I like the freedom of mobility. On the line is Matthew Groves with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. Um, You guys have my head spinning on what you just said about not being able to register your car if you go and buy it in another state. You talk about force and taking away freedom. Matthew, this is not a good thing. But something happened. You were back in Washington, D.C. Tell our listeners what happened. Correct. So the administrator of the EPA uh, came out and announced. uh, Actually, I'm sorry. I should back up and discuss the regulatory aspect of this. So when they made the Federal Clean Air Act in Congress, uh, they and they made a second rule called the EPCA. They determined what the miles per gallon should be. And we call it the corporate average fuel economy. So that says, say, for instance, Ford makes four miles, then average, I'm sorry, four models. Averaging out those four models, you have to hit a certain miles per gallon. That's what the fuel economy standard is. Um, under the Obama administration, they made rules for how that should track up so that we're actually improving a miles per gallon. So back when they made this, there was a, um, a, a section that allowed California to have a standard that was actually more strict, more severe than the federal standard. Now, you know, under Article 6 of the Constitution, when the federal, the federal government makes a standard, it's under the Supremacy Clause. It will preempt any state standard that's contradictory. Um, but since the advent of the Clean Air Act, California has actually gotten a waiver from the EPA, from the federal government, saying you can have this more strict standard because it's going to lead to cleaner air for you. And, uh, and, and Matthew, when, you wanna... when did that happen? Yes. When, when did they get that uh, waiver? You know, the EPA came about in 1972, and I believe it goes all the way back to that. Okay. It, it, it's been around for some time. They've moved that standard over 10 times, so they've applied for new waivers to change that standard, and traditionally they've always been granted. Um, but uh, essentially when they want to make a waiver, when they want to move the standard, it's up to the EPA to decide whether that's still necessary under the current environment. Um, so, again, traditionally they've always been approved, but – uh, Director Wheeler announced through the Trump administration that uh, they were actually going to revoke California's authority to make a standard in conflict with the federal standard. Um, this is great news for the industry because previously uh, auto dealers had been making two versions of cars. One you can sell in the low emission vehicle states that would comply with California standard and one that you can sell in the other states that meets the national standard. Uh, so what we're doing here is collapsing those into one standard and saying there's a one national program standard so that no matter where you buy a car, uh, it will meet the national standard. And we can do away with those issues that we were talking about, uh, not being able to register a vehicle you bought because it doesn't have the proper sticker on it that says it's California compliant. Well, I think this is huge. Kelly, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I'll, I'll let Matt talk to the, uh, to the legal aspects, but uh, I mean, it's going to it's going to be in court. I mean, California has already indicated that they're going to sue the Trump administration over this, uh, over this announcement, this decision. So it's going to be uh, be in the court for for quite some time. But uh, I think on on a practical matter, it for the time being, and again, I'll let I'll let Matt uh, uh, 
comment more on this, but it seems to do away with the authority under which the state of Colorado recently enacted both the Lev rule and you know, the Zev rule that they enacted last month. So, Matthew, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think this is really fascinating. Um, the way that Colorado adopted the California standards, they couldn't create their own standard. They had to adopt California regulations verbatim. Uh, California standard, again, I think it's widely uncontested. Uh, they develop a standard under Section 177. If Section 177 doesn't exist, they can't have their own standard, and the other states who have followed them are put back into the federal program. Uh, so I think uh, the ultimate outcome of this is going to be that the state of Colorado will not be able to punish those auto manufacturers who fail to meet the California standard anymore, which takes the teeth uh, out of the ZEV program and the LEV program, both of which essentially combine to make up one Regulation 20 in Colorado. Uh, and, and I think this will set us back to how things were before the regulation. So uh, I think the net effect is that we've just spent a lot of time and money and resources uh, adopting these rules, and these rules will become ineffective anymore. Wow. I, I have to say I am really excited about this. Now, I've seen some of the headlines. They're saying Trump rolls back clean air rules, implying that he likes dirty air. That is not the case. And uh, we were Kelly and I were talking about, uh, uh, you know, and you mentioned as well, as, as you look at the complete production of a ZEV or an LEV, if you really compare that, they're actually not as environmentally clean as our internal combustion engine. So this is uh, the words that we hear are force, punish. Those are not the words of freedom people. Now, if if uh, from an environmental standpoint, if an um, electric vehicle wants to make the case to the consumer how they, you know, would be better for the consumer. The consumer can make a free choice to buy that vehicle without all of the incentives, which is force, forcibly taking money from one person to give to another, picking winners and losers. Or the words that I heard you say, Matthew, punish, force. Those are really scary words. But in a free market, if people want to buy those Zevs or Levs, that's fine. But this is, I mean, this is monumental what happened. And you were in the room when they announced they were going to do this, right, Matt? I was. And, you know, there definitely is a force element to the program itself. I think what the Trump administration is doing here is realizing that the program is failing. When we talk about zero emission, everybody talks about California because California has massive incentives, financial and otherwise, to get electric vehicles to 6% of their sales, which is not tremendously many. There are eight other states on this program, and they are all failing the standards. Some are doing worse than Colorado is without the mandate. Uh, so I think here we're looking at a, a situation where manufacturers have uh, two options. They can either keep producing cars that people want to buy and will sell, or they can pull all of that research and development money out of safety features, uh, out of maybe pursuing autonomy and some of the features that your car has, and dump it all into fuel efficiency. And we still may not get there because the, the two things that a government regulation can't do is it can't take away a consumer's free will. And it can't will technology into existence. Uh, uh, they, they've, so been I, we, they've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> they have. But, um, you know, the way we got to this current mileage per gallon was because at the end of, of 2017, I'm sorry, the end of 2018, uh, the Obama administration rushed through a midterm review of the standard and said, uh, we're going to hold the standard that we had before because if we do anything else, we'll have to open up a rulemaking that will run into the next administration. 
that was why the Trump administration uh, called a timeout and went back to review the rule and came to the conclusion that this is not the best decision for us. Uh, it's going to be practically impossible for cars to get there, uh, for the manufacturers to get there, uh, and people aren't buying them at the same rate that they're buying SUVs and, and trucks. Uh, now, again, that doesn't just because we don't have a standard doesn't mean states can't aspire to do better. They can encourage people to to buy the right kinds of cars and sell the right kind of cars. In they're mind. just not going to be able to uh, compel manufacturers to buy compliance credits from a private sector company. Wow. Okay. Gentlemen, we are just about out of time. Matthew Groves, thank you so much. I think that this is a great step for freedom here. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Kelly Sloan, thank you so much for being here. Do you have just a quick thought? Uh, You know, this this Zev fight, I mean, it comes down to what you always talk about between... Uh, freedom and force and you know again i'm not, I'm not against electric vehicles either I'd, I'd have one myself if i could afford one just to boot around boot around mm-hmm. town and commute but when you have the government uh try and manipulate the market towards whatever agenda mm-hmm. you're going to have unintended consequences and those are those are almost always negative as they were in this case so let the market do it the market is the market does work in this case you got it where people are buying evs so, so kelly sloan thank you so much for being here thank you very much our quote for today is from louis louise chevrolet he was the swiss race car driver and the co-founder of the chevrolet motor car company in 1911 he says movement is the universal language of personal freedom so today read great books think good thoughts listen to beautiful music communicate and listen well live honestly and authentically strive for high ideals And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them.